everybody. We are live with uh, Lara Chat, episode number 26. And I think we have a doozy of a show. Um, we have some heavy hitters here in uh, Mahmood and TJ and, well, Eric, put your arm down, please. Um, and we got Froggy, one of our original OG members who came on the show. Um, like, I think show number one, if I recall. Um, we got our regular co-host Matt and Eric here, and our topic is going to be about Docker versus Vagrant. Which do you use? Why do you use it? What are, what are we going to, what's going to be the outcome? We're going to battle it out here and try and figure out what, which one we should use, which is better. Um, something new for Laird Chat is we have a sponsor, which is new and exciting. Um, so we got to say thank you to our sponsors because we this episode is actually brought to you by a company called Manifold, which is uh, a hub for amazing developer services. Um, so if you need to spin up a null Bullshark database, Redis instance, or Elasticsearch, we could check them out at uh, www.manifold.co and sign up. You can upgrade and downgrade uh, services with no term commitments, one account, and many more services. So check out manifold.co. It doesn't get much easier. So check them out, guys. Um, beyond that, let's uh, get into it. So first, let's talk about our guests a little bit. We've got two new people who have not been on the show before, TJ and Mahmood. Um, Mahmood, let's start with you. You're uh, the guy who did, what is it, Laradoc? Tell us a little bit about who you are and Laradoc and, and like, who you are. All right. Hi. Hi, first of all. Um, nice. Uh, thank you for having me today. Um, really quick about me because I don't think there's a lot much to say, but um, I started with PHP pretty much in February 2012 and with Docker in 2014 when I joined a company that uses Docker um, to, to host or to run their applications. And pretty much like everyone else, I started with Vagrant somehow, somewhere around between 2012 and 2013. And then came Docker. So when I first started using it, it was very new and there was a lot of challenges, but if we compare it with the current version of Docker, it's really fantastic how things have changed and how much easier it, it has became. And of course, during this uh, talk, we're going to cover what is it and what is the difference actually between them. And I'm, actually, I'm a backend developer mainly. I, use, um, I spend most of my time on the backend side. I started... Um, programming maybe seven or eight years ago, using mainly Java first, and then switched to building different things like mobile apps, mainly hybrid mobile apps, to building some uh, desktop applications with Java. Some, um, a lot of things, also I worked a lot in the single board computers like Raspberry Pi and Arduino and PCduino and all these little tools where you write some codes. And somehow, um, it's like robotics, but more connected to the internet. So just take a few commands to do stuff. And lately, I've been focusing mainly on the back-end side of the programming because what I, I enjoy mostly. And that was with Laravel version 3 point something when I built it, built my first project with it. Really amazing uh, framework. I'm a big fan. So <clears throat> one of the things uh, that led to the creation of Laradoc was whenever you want to run containers, and that's 
before Docker Compose, when we used to run containers, we need to have these commands um, that have mapping for the ports and some volumes and how the containers should work to, with each other. And you have to run these commands one by one by one every time. You need at least four or five or six, probably like one for database, one for like MySQL or something, one for Redis, and that's the server and all the stuff. So from there, uh, I said, that's really hard to do every time. I used to have it in a notepad where you just copy, paste, copy, paste every time. And then someone who created, I believe it was an open source project before uh, Docker Compose, before getting acquired by Docker itself, and then probably changed their name. So Docker Compose was really a great solution. And then I decided, okay, so Docker Compose should be one file for each project where it helps uh, building or provisioning the infrastructure for your, for your application. But what if we can make it run for multiple projects, if we have like big Docker Compose file, where I can change between the tools I need. Let's say today I want to use uh, MySQL, but in another project I need to use Neo4j. So why I can use the same file for it if I just say Docker Compose up this or that or that. And then with Laradoc, we were, we were seeing a lot of people requesting different uh, support for different versions in PHP. Like some people want 5.6, some people for 7.1 or something. And then we start supporting multiple many of them by really some nice um, features provided by Docker Compose, mainly because not even Docker. Most uh, of the features of the Laradoc is coming from the Docker Compose file. So I think that's it about me. That's pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, so uh, so uh, TJ, can you uh, tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so <clears throat> I also do primarily uh, like backend development. I do dabble in the front end a bit, um, primarily when I'm working in the front end, though it's like strictly the JavaScript side of things. So a lot of Vue.js, some React, um, and then like kind of I guess my journey with you know Vagrant and Docker is I used to work at a uh, an agency that was mostly working with WordPress. And I started building out, you know, uh, vagrant files to ship with each project so that everyone on the team, you know, would be working in the same environment, have the same tooling, have everything all kind of provisioned together real easy. And uh, about, I don't know, about two years into using vagrant, I uh, kind of stumbled across Docker and it looked really cool. Played with it a bit, hacked on it, um, and at some point kind of stumbled across the Laradoc project. And I was running into the same issue. It was just tons of commands. Like I had, you know, a text file that had, you know, or I got to spin up these like four services or something. Copy, paste, copy, paste. Um, started using make files to like string everything together. So I'd, you know, be able to do make up and then, you know, it would run like all four or five commands. Um, then, yeah, it was like Docker Compose came out and that was, that was real, uh, I don't know, life-changing as far as Docker goes. And then I kind of walked away from it for a while. I just didn't have a use case for it. So didn't, you know, wasn't playing with it, wasn't using it. And uh, picked it up real heavy again about, I don't know, about four or five months ago. Started playing with it a lot more. Um, and by that point, you know, Laradoc had evolved quite a bit and did a lot of source diving there to kind of get myself back up to speed with whatever, like, you know, how, you know, standards, what's going on. Um, now the company that I'm working for, I've structured it out. So we've got, um, I'm using 
primarily valet locally for development, but I'll spin up, you know, when I need uh, other services rather than installing them on, you know, outside of like MySQL or something. Um, I'm using Docker to spin them up. And then we're just moving over to putting everything in production with Rancher. And um, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and thank you both you guys coming on the show. We've got uh, the rest of the crew here. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I still use Vagrant in my personal development and my uh, company development. And, and it comes down to the unknown with Vagrant, like how, how much work it's going to be for me to spin it up in my local development environment for my team, all that kind of stuff. Um, these are some of the questions we want to get into uh, in, uh, to kind of talk about Vagrant, Docker, which is the better. Um, I'm curious about the rest of you guys. What, what do you guys use in your day-to-day? Uh, -day? Yeah, I, I think I'd like to probably start off with addressing the elephant in the room. Sean, this is not the TJ Miller from Deadpool like you promised me. Kind of disappointed in that. Not going to lie. Deadpool, TJ Miller. Come on, yeah, guys. Yeah, Come sorry. on, guys. You will not get an apology out of me ever. Come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I do want to say, um, you know, we, we joke around a lot about this being a battle and all that, but it, I, I was, whenever I talk to a developer, they ask, you know, why you use Docker over Vagrant or what makes Docker better. And it's, it's not always the case of what makes it better. It's not necessarily better. And when you talk to, when you talk on the development le level, when you're trying to get work done, I, I'm always a fan of using the tool that works best, you know, using the tool that makes you productive. So if you're productive with Vagrant, stay productive with Vagrant. doesn't mean to not look into something like Docker. Check out Docker. Maybe you'll be more productive. Um, there are, the, the things that attract me to, to Docker was the, the, how smoothly it can transition into production as opposed to, to a vagrant solution. And I think TJ uh, will probably talk a little bit more about that with Rancher. Uh, I actually don't have a lot of experience with that. I've only used Docker as a development environment or a pre-production environment, but uh, we do have a client that had that had launched Docker in production, so it's it's nice. I mean, I think that's one of the one of the things Docker brings to the table that's different, not necessarily better or worse, but different than the Vagrant solution. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've kind of been at Docker now for about six seven months, and the more the more I play with it, the more I'm liking it. Uh, for me, the biggest thing. For, for a local development environment is the smaller footprint it brings to, to the table. So I'm not running a big VM image on my, my laptop where I only have, you know, 500 gigabytes of, uh, of disk space. And I'm, I, you know, I need every, every gigabyte I can. I don't have to spin up a 20 gig uh, uh, virtual image. I can just spin up a Docker. So that's, that's me. I feel like I'm I'm very much in the same seat as Eric. I uh, I started using Docker I think last you know sometime last year maybe a year ago for me. I wasn't completely comfortable with it at first. I was looking into Laradoc. I tried to make it you know work like Vagrant for me for a start. But then you know the more you got into it, and especially with Docker Compose, you realize that it's very convenient the way you can just spin it up, you know it's going to work locally, and you know it's going to work the same way in production. 
Um, I use it, um, so at work we use it with AWS. We just have Docker run files in Elastic Beanstalk. And I do a similar thing in approach to have Sparky IO where, you know, you just have the same containers locally that you have in production. So you know that you have the, an identical environment. You never have to worry about it. I never have to SSH into any container ever. Uh, you know, I need to run a command locally. I do that through the container instead. And to me personally, that's just become a you know much more fluent experience. But I definitely agree with what Eric says as well, right? About you know work with what's best for you. And I find where Docker is is lacking mostly is if you run multiple projects simultaneously. That's that's when you get a bit of an issue with Docker because you want to run you know ideally one nginx container for your single project and then you get issues if you want to run two projects and how do you how do you match that uh, but i feel you know if you're working on one project that's when you know i'm really benefiting from it and i'm just having a really good experience with it so i i keep using it yeah i mean yeah. I, I can relate on that because um it's 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 a it's a battle in the sense of of um there's a the right fit but i think as developers we're always looking for for like the perfect universal fit for things you know we we want to make it so that we never have to worry about that problem again that problem is just solved right and so i mean i've worked with i've worked with one company that was just hardcore docker and their whole system was ex like elaborate microservice structures. So with Docker in a situation like that, it works amazingly because you have specific clusters set up for each microservice. So if you need to work on just the billing component, you'd spin up that cluster, right? And so you have those various images set up for that instance, and you just work on that, and then you get rid of all that, and then build up your next cluster to work on the next portion. And I, I liked that approach, but then of course, similar to what you guys are saying, you know, you go to them work on like three apps that are just, it's all one app. And now you're like, oh, well, I don't really want to, it's confusing to set up Docker to do all those things. And, and well, it's not confusing, confusing, but that's messy then, right? Because you're like set it up for one, but then it doesn't work for the other domain and the, the other ones. Um, so I agree in the sense that it makes, it, it, it's, there's various tools for various, solution or, i don't know how to explain this um yeah well i think it goes back to what eric said and correct me if i am misquoting but it's the right tool for the right job yeah and like for me i feel like i'm a docker noob here and you guys are just gonna crush me in this war that we're in not really a war but um but i i, I like my vagrant um i i can you know I can have all these development environments, which kind of go to what you're saying, where I have a, a YAML file, uh, home dead, for example, and I just it just works. And then for me, I have, before all of this came along, I was setting up, I had my dev servers on a server somewhere in the cloud, um, but this was years ago, and I, I worked off of an actual server, not a local dev environment. Um, so. I got all this experience in server configuration and management, and it seemed easier for me to configure this server how I want. But I definitely see the benefits of Docker being able to just run these configurations and 
it done. Um, so I'm looking to, you know, learn and, and uh, maybe push them vagrant uh, promotion if I can. Don't know if I can, but um, I'm sure we're all going to learn something. Uh, Matt, you had a point that you wanted to make a quick one. Yeah, one thing I was going to say is I agree with you in the sense that Vagrant and in particular, you know, an image like Homestead, it, there's a reason why Taylor was asked to, I think it was, he was asked to remove it at one point because it was too many downloads off the Vagrant system or whatever at one point. And so he was trying to figure out what to do about that. But there's a reason why it's, it's been downloaded so much. It's because it's simple and it handles most use cases. But then a problem with something like Vagrant uh, becomes when, or, or a big problem with it is where you've got everything working and you're all used to working in like Ubuntu or whatever. And then suddenly it turns out everything now has to work in like Red Hat servers. And it's like, how do you account for that? Because you've always been in that same environment and everything does just work in that environment, but now you're deploying to a different system and it becomes harder now for you to, you'd have to rebuild an image, right? And start all fresh with a new local system. So I, I do see, you know, a lot of value in like a Docker system where you could then just swap out, you know, one OS for another. I'd like to, um, to Mahmoud or uh, TJ, can you guys speak to how that OS swapping may work for someone who, again, is in that vagrant world or in a different world trying to understand what this is? Um, <clears throat> first of all, I'd just like to say something here that there's no real or fair comparison between Vagrant and Docker. Well, the real comparison is between virtual machines and virtual containers. And the way the, they work is completely different. While Vagrant is just a, the tool that uh, help managing uh, the provisioning of those uh, virtual uh, machines. While Docker on the other side is I mean, actually, let me put it in another way. I would say like both provide you with a virtual development environment, but each one work on a different layer. Like the upper, I mean, Vagrant does virtualize the operating system for the underlying hardware that they run on it, while Docker containers virtualize your application on top of the operating system. So that's one of the major advantages. Other than yes, you can just share it and then you can run the same container on your operating system and on the server, which is really great point, but I personally don't really, uh, uh, it's, it's not my uh, responsibility in most of the companies I work for because there's always that DevOps who takes control of that. I just use it on production for my little small project, which is very, very simple. We're not in a big cluster or so. Um, I would say that main advantages of the, of Docker that I saw on, on top of, uh, or in, while comparing with the Vagrant is the ability to jump from application to application. Let's say I used to have one application that is very similar to another one, pretty much the same provisioning, but the other one just used different version of maybe one of the tools. And with Vagrant, you have to do a lot of work to do this, unless you want to run the two um, the two operating systems or virtual operating system at the same time, which is which, going to make your laptop burn probably. And with Docker, that's really easy. And you can share containers, let's say, keep uh, Nginx and 
let's say Redis or whatever tools you are using and just use also both MySQL different versions and integrate with all together. I mean, if you think of it this way, it's somehow hard to manage, but at the same time, it's super flexible and it consumes less resources than virtual machines. And also as, as built in feature in, in Docker is the provisioning. With Vagrant, either you have to do it with, with the Vagrant files and stuff and probably use CM tools in order to get that script and then put it on the server. But with, with Docker, you just do the stuff once and then you can move all your stuff to wherever you want, whichever environment. Yeah, I, I think you touched on a real important part. And it was actually the thing that brought me to Docker was um, the ability to swap out components w within your environment. So I was running a Docker for my web server, uh, a Docker for my application server, and a Docker for my database. And they're all, they were all separate um, and uh, separate components. And what had happened is I, I was using Vagrant, and it was during the migration from 5.6 to, to a PHP 5.6 to PHP 7. And I, I needed to do some testing against PHP 7. And I, I didn't want to upgrade my uh, virtual image to PHP 7 because I was still working in 5.6. I just needed to, to, to use 7 to do some testing. And that's, that's actually what drew me to Docker, because with, with Docker, it was so easy just to switch out that one component, that application layer, and just pull in another Docker image for PHP 7 as opposed to 5.6. Then knowing everything else about my stack was exactly the same with the exception of that application layer, and then switching it right back when I was done is, is the reason that I started getting involved with Docker and, and seeing the power of Docker and, and leveraging it more. I'd, I'd sort of like to build on uh, both what Eric and Mo said about this sort of, so we've got two different aspects here, right? You know, one is the one that Eric mentioned, sort of the, the dev environment where, you know, you can swap out components easily, you can switch back and forth, you know, it takes, you know, 10 seconds and then you're running MySQL 5.7 or PHP 7.1. You can see if something breaks, you can see if your new features work, and you can switch back. The other side of it is, of course, the uh, you know the deployment and matching with your production environment, uh, which is a completely different story. Now, I know Sean, you mentioned actually that you know you feel comfortable with Vagrant because you also feel comfortable with provisioning to you know Linux servers and VPS, and you know to me, right? So the deployment part of it is the side where if you deploy to Docker containers it ends up being a lot easier if you can just get into that workflow because you end up being able to manage everything through simple uh, configuration files. So if you use AWS, it's a simple Docker run file, and that will actually, you'll end up using the exact same configuration as you do in local, and you don't have to worry about running any commands on setup. There is not a single setup step, actually. You literally just deploy, and it works. And that's sort of the experience I've had so far with deploying Docker environments as well, um, especially when they're quite simple, you know, Laravel app, is you don't have to do any server configuration, and you don't have to copy things around. You don't have to worry about, oh, did I forget this and doing that? Am I on the right version of this? Because you just have that all, you have an inversion control in your file that runs off your CI, gets pushed to Docker, and it just works. 
Interesting, because um, yes, you're right. I have an experience on the service side of things, and one of the major frustrations is when I, you know, uh, set up, let's say, Nginx configuration for a URL, and uh, in, as an example, it's a new Ubuntu server. There's a, a sites available folder and a sites enabled. I always forget the sites enabled folder, and I, I've got my DNS pointing to my server, and I've got my, my, I've deployed the code, I've set up the database, the .env file for Laravel is all set up, and I'm like, and I go to the browser, it's like, why is it not working? This does not make sense. Um, so that's actually really interesting because, you know, the, the human step to setting up a server, and humans forget things. Um, so that's, that's really interesting how it's kind of like automated and it just, you know, kind of works. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of sites available versus sites enabled, um, in my opinion, you know, when you go to a Docker-based deployment, you end up not caring about that because you try to keep the environment separate so you can just keep your default config. If you want to, then just ignore sites, um, sites available because sites enabled is what Nginx uses anyway. Um, that's sort of my go-to approach to it. Yeah, so I'll kind of build off a little bit <clears throat> of a couple of things that were said. I, I, uh, I completely agree. Like one of my favorite parts of Docker is is kind of that deployment process between development and production. Really, for me, the only difference between development and production are, you know, locally I'm binding my application files into the container. And then that way I can edit them and they, you know, they're also edited inside of the container. And then when I move to production, I'm just adding those files to that container. So that container just goes right up to production, you run that container, you're good to go. So really between like my production and my development environment, it is exactly the same setup. Yeah, I have no, no answer to support Vagrant in that particular sense. Um, what I am curious about is like in, in, terms, of, in terms of a company, let's say, it, we use Vagrant here, and <clears throat> we had a small, semi-quick discussion about uh, the benefits of switching over to Docker, and, and there were a lot of benefits. Um, but what was really difficult for us is our uh, server environment, the, the production environment, is not Docker. It was set up by an IT administrator who goes in, and he has his own scripts, or he types it manually. What He does what he does. So... We, we're not going to take our development environment from Docker and you know push it up to production. Um, I'm curious if you guys have any advice in that kind of uh, world. I think that's a very difficult situation, actually, um, because you're sort of going between them where Docker ends up only being useful in the development aspect or you need to completely you know, re-architect your production environment. And it's a very difficult um, seat to be in. And we actually had that at the last company I was working at. Um, we had this old legacy server, uh, which is running PHP 5.3. It was awful. You didn't even use shorthand erase syntax. Um, and then we deployed a new version of this application. And they still, to this, to this date, they run simultaneously. And the other one runs in the Docker environment. And so for that legacy server that we had, the only benefit was actually um, in local development. Now, a huge thing for us was that 
we actually have different PHP versions on on these two, but the value is that we can just run a PHP 5.3 container for that, and then we run a PHP we would run a PHP 5.6 container for all the other projects. They'd be completely separate, so that would be the our dev side, um, you know, win of that. Uh, obviously, you know, in the end, a lot of our production stuff was on VPS, so we didn't benefit from the deployment side of things. But we were able to configure our Docker environment to, in a way, still mimic the production environment and be sure that we use the same versions of things, um, which really helped helped us at least. And that you know you didn't end up with three different VMs for three projects, um, and you didn't end up having one single VM where you had a mismatched PHP version because that's what we had before, right? So we'd have all our projects in one uh, VM, and then that single project that required PHP 5.3, you'd accidentally do a shorthand um, array notation from from 5.4, and it would crash and burn. And you'd have to go into your code and you go, I don't see any syntax errors and shit. 5.3. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the, the big thing has been kind of getting past the deployment hurdle. And I think that's a big crux for a lot of people. Um, just because it is, I mean, we've had major changes, arguably, in the last four or five years in terms of how deployments became more streamlined and, and things like that. And I mean, from my learning experience, it's been just a ridiculous amount of changes over time. And I've kind of gotten into a nice flow that I enjoy and it's easy to spin up a server with forge and things like that. And then just be able to be like, okay, well now I'm just going to use deployer script and poof, it's all done. And so that sort of workflow just becomes so familiar that it becomes challenging to accept okay well no there's a new way of doing deployments again and it's completely different and and it's and you have to think on a different layer too because you're dealing with image structure deployments versus it's just it's my code files and then i do a git deploy and there's my code files and it just feels more familiar right so i think i think you know, even in terms of most of the discussion of like Docker versus Vagrant, it, it's a lot of that mindset of where does the deployment fall into play and then how do you handle the legacy stuff? But uh, I think Eric's going to make a point here on why I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'll jump in a little bit on the deployment. That's That was a little bit of a hurdle for me before I got going because um, I was very, you know, accustomed to the standard, you know, SSH into my server and get pull do whatever there, and then a little bit of Envoyer stuff. Um, started using the Deployer. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one. Um, big fan of Deployer. So the first couple things I put into production with Docker, basically what it was to deploy is I was using Deployer scripts to just SSH in, run commands where it would you know pull my application down from the registry. Because remember, I'm adding my like Laravel app into the container. So I push that container up to a registry and then the script would pull from that registry and you know just restart that service. Um, then I kind of stumbled into Rancher and Rancher made life a lot easier for me. Um, having you know a nice UI for you to be able to go into, build your containers. And you know for us, we're not really 
automating our deployments. I have us, you know, automating our build and pushing that build to the registry. And then uh, we've got some PCI requirements at my current job. So then we have somebody who is, you know, allowed to handle deployments. They can go in, click a button, and depending on the scale, it'll automatically roll out to, you know, four or five different nodes in our cluster. Um, but I definitely recommend checking out, you know, Rancher for deployments, getting to have like a nice UI for it made the difference for me. And now I'm looking into more like scripted stuff. Um, but having, you know, Rancher kind of bridge that gap for going from development to deployment and you get all, a whole bunch of other nice stuff where um, you can, you know, have like one click scaling to, you know, depending on what nodes and and then you can also like take those configurations. So Rancher, if you don't know, is um is kind of like a scheduler. So you can structure out what an application looks like and uh, you have like a pool of you know EC2 instances that you have assigned to like your rancher is uh, your rancher instance is aware of. And then so it it knows how to schedule your deployments to each of those EC2 nodes, depending on how the current load is. So it has um, different algorithms that it can use, and it knows where to deploy to. It'll monitor those those containers. So if a server goes down, it goes, hey, you know, I was supposed to have five of these. I just lost one. Let me spin up another one. So you get a lot of monitoring with that, too. When you run Rancher, Rancher is actually one of the things that I, I'm not super familiar with. Is is Rancher running in your AWS environment? Is it something that's running local that's talking to your AWS environment? Uh, the way we have it structured now, because it actually has like a database behind it to know you know how the applications are structured and you know which container is on which node. Um, I have it running on an EC2 instance. And then I've added a bunch of other EC2s, you know, to make um, to make Rancher aware of these other hosts. So it's it's a stateful uh, container that like, application. I mean, I run Rancher with Docker, so you have that running on a server, and then you add like uh, other nodes to it that you can deploy to. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I also I'm curious about. Everybody who who's really into Docker, especially you guys who are using in production, uh, Leo mentioned, and this was one of the things that I struggled with. I still struggle with a little bit uh, when I was transitioning over to Docker. Leo had mentioned that he never has to SSH into his machine. And that's actually something I, and I think a lot of people new to Docker fight with, understanding how you get, uh, command level access to your containers and when you would do that in ways to avoid doing it. So Leo, I think you said that you actually never do it. I'm kind of curious, how, how do you guys interact with your containers uh, now? I mean, have you kind of, is it like deploy and forget about, like you never have to actually access that container, you never have to look at a log file or how are you, how are you guys doing that? Yeah, so I mean, in, in our case, especially at, um, at Dutch, right, uh, where I work in my day job, um, you know, it, it's all about the tooling, right? We have our logs being ingested into an, um, an, into an Elasticsearch cluster, and we check all our logs through a Kibana um, instance, and that all works fine. So I never have to stage in for that. There is one exception um, where we do occasionally have to stage in, which is um, 
to run certain commands in uh, in production. Um, if if we are, need to ingest, I don't know, two million records um, from from a client from a CSV file or something, then that you know we might have to stage in for that. But for most of it, you end up not needing it, and you know it's all about how you use the various tools that are available to you. And I think with Docker, the tooling that you use um, becomes more important than with Vagrant because you try to avoid um, you know accessing the actual instance uh, to the extent that you can. Um, and, and you know the way you approach it in uh, local development is just using uh, Docker exec, which just allows you to execute any command in any container. And actually, me personally, what I do on a lot of projects is I keep an artisan container, so I can even use Docker Compose to run artisan commands. Um, so I just literally write DCR artisan migrate, and I run that locally. That will run within my containers. And it will migrate onto my containerized um, database and everything. And I never have to touch, you know, any SSHing in, no CDing to a directory, making sure I've got the right settings. But you know, it's all it's all about the tooling. And I think once you're once you get the mindset of a container versus a VM, um, that's when you really start to understand, you know, containerize more. And, and do less sort of on the server, to put it that way. Um, so, again, um, I keep bringing this up. I'm a vagrant guy, but um, there is a series. We have a Layer Chat member, Chris Fidel, and he's got the website servers for hackers. He's got a, a series, uh, shippingdocker.com, I think that's the URL. Um, the whole local development workflow seems like it takes a lot of work to set up all these different containers where, you know, again, Homestead, like we talked about it, you just download it, run it, and you, you have your virtual environment. Um, how, tell me, is it worth it to switch to Docker for local dev? Like well, <clears throat> let me say that. Well, uh, many, many people have asked me this question. Why should I use Docker? It's really hard. And if you really want to compare Docker as a technology versus Homestead, it's also not fair comparison. If I would put it, I would put it this way. Like you have the virtual machine on the first layer, like VMware or VirtualBox. Then you get Vagrant on top of it, which manages those, builds them and provisions them. And then you get Homestead, which is the, like the setup for your Laravel application. And when, when you move to Docker, you got Docker. If you want to deal with Docker, yes, you're probably going to face a lot of hard times. It's not that simple. But you don't have to use Docker if there's some tools built by other people. And in this case, after Docker, you got this Docker Compose, which helps you manage those Docker containers, similar to Vagrant. So probably like Docker Compose, I see it as the closest to Vagrant. And then comes Laradoc, which is the tool that I can compare to Homestead. So, now, if you want to compare those two tools, you actually just run single command with Laradoc to get your, all your tools uh, up and running for your Laravel applications. Because some people say, OK, I can run like Vagrant up and then be ready. While if I want to do, deal with Docker, I don't know where should I put my Nginx, and how should I separate things. Because also, it's a big mistake that many people do is just put everything in one container. But this is, uh, this is exactly what you shouldn't be doing. And that's also lead to 
a lot of problems for developers like me who are programmers and we don't want to really deal with those tools. I mean, I, I believe that everyone has its own responsibility front end do his stuff, DevOps do his stuff and everyone. So I only built Laradoc, this tool, just to never deal with DevOps anymore. That's like the main reason. I just want to have this environment running whenever I need it without having to deal with it. And you can just run Docker Compose up, let's say Nginx, MySQL, Redis, and then choose whatever tools you have. And also from that, of course, we listen to the people what they need. All the people were looking for a workspace. Where do we where do we install Composer? Where do we install whatever? Where do we run our test? We we'll still have to do it on our machine, or we can just create a virtual machine for that. And there, where we created the workspace container, which contained over 30 tools probably, just to help you with your development. So you just need to run single command Docker Compose up and then select whatever tools you want, and they are the ones supported with Laradoc, and then um, enter the workspace container and start your, your coding. It really takes less than a minute in comparison to Vagrant. Yeah, I'll make a uh, another point along the same lines there. I think it's really hard to compare, you know, Vagrant and Docker as technologies. I think a little closer comparison would be like Vagrant and Laradoc. Um, it's, you know, you can't run Vagrant in a production environment. You know, Docker you can totally use as a deployable system. Um, I don't know. Kind of felt like that might help a few people, like when you're when you're looking at comparison between Vagrant and Docker. Yeah, so I wanted to continue on on the note. You know, Mahmoud was talking a lot about um, Laradoc and you know comparing that to Vagrant, and I think there's one thing that Laradoc does really well for new users, and that it's it feels quite familiar to Vagrant. Um, in a lot of ways, and in the way that you manage it with uh, with a single Nginx instance for multiple projects. Um, and I feel like that is probably a really good project to get started with if you don't really grasp Docker right, but you, you, know, you want to use it with your Laravel projects and you just want to use it like you've always used Homestead. I feel like Laradoc is a good place to jump in. And then as you grow more comfortable with it, you'll probably end up uh, wanting to stray away from Laradoc to actually you know, run a more specialized setup that actually works for your environment instead. Um, because I feel like you know, Laradoc gets you that first part. And then once you understand it, hopefully you can build up on that and that you can actually start building you know, production-ready Docker environments you know, straight away, and you can just deploy. So I, I did want to make one more kind of argument for Docker. Not that Vagrant's had a lot of uh, a lot of for uh, back backing here, but um, Sean. So when specifically when it comes to development, uh, another strong thing that Docker brings to the table is what we when we have multiple people working on projects. And we, we would establish a vagrant image and all the developers would start start doing development against that image, but they all had the image locally. And the, the image would need to change and um, the, the uh, developers would tweak their image and, and things would get out of sync. Um, what 
Docker allowed us to do, or well, what Docker will allow you to do is be, because of the way it's configured, you, you can actually commit Docker as part of the project repo. Um, and this is what T, TJ and I were working on uh, this past week is is how how to make Docker part of the repo, you know, where when a developer goes to work on a project, he no longer, especially if he has multiple projects, he, he no longer has to figure out if he has to integrate that project into his existing VM, how to configure it. Is his VM out of date? Is he still in sync with everybody else? He just downloads the project repo, goes into, let's say, a Docker folder, does a Docker compose up, and then he actually has that that development environment that everybody else has. And if things need to change to that development environment, it, it does in the repo, and everybody's able to share that. Um, just, a, just another aspect of Docker that I think uh, developers may be interested in. Yeah, um, I think that with one point on that is, for me, um, that's actually a really big selling point. Because you know when you have a team of a large team of developers, that's a really really interesting. When if I need to upgrade to PHP version seven point whatever, it's in the repo. That's actually really cool, really interesting point. Thank you. Yeah, and, and again, if you need to add a component on, let's say you're adding Elasticsearch to the project, you just add it to the Docker Docker configuration in the repo, and then everybody has it. You don't have to get on every developer's machine to configure Elasticsearch for them or any of that. It's pretty slick. Um, one thing I did want to touch on uh, real quick, and I, and I know we're running tight on time here, so if it's too big of a conversation, I'll let the experts tell us. I hear a lot about Swarm with Docker. Um, do, do any of you guys have uh, any experience with, with Docker swar Swarms? And if so, what are they? Where are they used? Yeah, Swarm, um, you know, kind of how I was talking about Rancher, how it's got like different algorithms for how it handles its scheduling. Um, I think I, I really haven't used Swarm a whole lot, but it's kind of along those lines. Like it's it's Docker's, Docker's scheduling platform. So you can set up, you know, how many nodes, like how many node servers you want to be part of the pool, kind of the scale of each service. And it'll, you know, through the command line, you can kind of, you know, push out and schedule between, you know, all the different servers. I think, uh, you know, one, one final remark I want to add, sort of going back to what we were talking about in, sort of in terms of the development environment is when you go beyond um, your, your standard project setup, right, you need to add you know, one custom thing to this one project. I think that's when Docker comes, you know, really, really becomes handy. Um, for example, working on a project now, um, Sparky.io, and it's a CDN, and you can do image transformations, and these run through AWS Lambda, so they're Lambda functions. Now, traditionally, it's very hard to test Lambda functions locally um, because they all run through AWS, and they have a very special setup. You can't just run in Node instance and expect it to work, but there's um, a Docker container for that, and you can just run it through Docker, through that Docker container, you can actually, uh, you know, make sure that it works locally before you deploy it um, with serverless or, you know, if you use custom deployment, I think that's a really big selling point as well is, 
the containers that are already available if you want to expand your project out of your you know, usual toolbox, is you don't have to look into how to install things on your server and how to install on your production server and how to work with it locally. You just add the container, and then it works. Excuse me, interesting. Um, so one of the other things, um, Mahmoud, um, wanted to get uh, a last opinion from you because we are getting close to the end here. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about where we can find Laradoc. Uh, we might have lost Mahmoud. He looks like he's frozen. Okay, well, I'll answer for you. <laughs> yeah, we, we lost Mahmoud. <laughs> Hooray, Internet. Um, anyways, uh, we'll tweet out the link as well. But, um, oh, Mahmoud, you're back. Yeah, um, back. <laughs> The question we had was um, about Laradoc. Where can we find it? Can you tell us? Where can you find it? Yeah. Uh, you mean, um, you can go to the repository about, um, you can go to the repository to laradoc.io or to GitHub, just search for Laradoc, Laradoc. Uh, sorry, my, my laptop was frozen. I don't know why, and then I had to restart it now. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, letting us know. And um, I think we've learned, well, I, I don't know about you guys, I think I've learned a lot with regard to, you know, Vagrant versus Docker, um, uh, changing my mind a bit. I'm really going to have to do some some research. And of course, uh, Rancher, another cool tool I didn't know about. Um, one uh, thing I want to do before we start ramping down the show is any uh, final thought from you guys, Docker, Vagrant, uh, this whole DevOps kind of world, any final thoughts that you want to get out there, tell somebody, check this out, or this is really cool. Go ahead, anybody. Yeah, I mean, again, just want to stress, stay productive, use the tool that works for you, uh, but definitely look into Docker. I, I feel that's the direction a, a lot of environments are going to be moving to. Um, the cool thing about Docker right now is it's no longer the new and shiny thing. Uh, there are a lot of great tools being built around it, making it easier and easier to use. You've got projects like Laradocs. Uh, happening where people are literally doing the configuration for you. So take some time, check Laradocs out, but don't get bogged down with it. I mean, make sure you stay productive, make sure you keep working. And uh, yeah, and if you have any questions, uh, ping TJ. Yeah, you're definitely welcome to ping me when you have questions. All right, and so what's your, your home phone number? Can you just like slowly let everybody know so we can yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, you can get at me on Twitter, though. Awesome. Well, I'd like to take this moment to kind of ramp down the show and, and thank uh, some really special guests and co-hosts for coming on here. Uh, you know, we got TJ. We originally planned the show uh, with having TJ come on and teach us about the cool things in Docker and um, you know, a, a popular Laravel community member, Marcel, Poi Thought. I don't know if anybody guys know how to say his last name, but Marcel, a great guy, really involved in the open source community. He uh, tweeted at Mahmoud and like, oh, why didn't we think about the him? So within you know 24 hours, no, notice, and he 
came online. I think you just had a 17-hour flight. So uh, thank you for taking the time, being jet-like and all, for coming on the show. And, um, you know, a long-time Mything member, Froggy, um, Leo here, came online. Uh, again, I think he was on the first show, first couple shows, if I recall. And then um, he lived over in Sweden. So it's a bit of a – it's a bit late for you there. Can you – Sorry? Sorry? See, I've actually moved to the UK now, so it's only 2 a.m. instead of 3 a.m., so it works out better. All right, new deal. Right. Party mode. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the regular guys, um, Eric Van Johnson and Matt Lance. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about it the other day, and Matt and I, Conan has this sidekick who kind of just sits there. What's his name? I can't remember his name. That's anyway. That's who I think Matt is. He just kind of sits there and laughs and smiles and the general great presence. So um, while wrapping down uh, again, our first sponsor, Manifold.co. Check them out. Uh, thank you for to them for uh, helping us out with the show here. So um, again, any Docker question, vagrant question, come on to Lara Chat. LaraChat.co with the Slack channel. Hit us up on Twitter. We've tweeted out uh, the accounts of all the people here. Ask them questions. They'd love to answer and, and help people take that next step in their DevOps and Laravel PHP world. Um, so that's it for us tonight. Thank you guys for coming on and great show. Thank you.